Hey guys, here's just a little intro about the Homemade Camera Zine printed edition. Um, we got so uh, involved talking to Heather and everybody was so excited we forgot to mention that the printed zine is available for pre-order now. Um, if you go to homemadecamera.com slash the dash zine or homemadecamera.com and click on the zine link, there's the free PDF. And there's also a link to cameradactyl.com where we are uh, pre-selling the print zine. Um, it's, I think, $10 plus $4 shipping inside the U.S. I'm not exactly sure what shipping in Canada is. Um, I had some problems uh, setting individual shipping rules in Squarespace. So uh, there's an EU and UK version uh, that you can order for zero dollars and it'll just charge you twenty three fifty I think for shipping uh, which will include the cost of the scene sorry for the confusion uh, Camerodactyl is not exactly set up to ship flat book rate stuff but um, I think we we figured it out uh, at least this time around anyway I'm pretty excited to have one of these on my coffee table um, for any of you guys that want the print version, it is now available. We should be shipping, I think, October, sometime between October 1st and October 7th. Um, okay, here's the show. Bye. So, Nick, um, when we build our cameras, we, we build them at several different sizes. Um, like, I just recently designed a an 8x10 uh, anamorphic uh, 3D printed um, camera that I have yet to print because my, my printer's down right now. But that to me is a big camera. But then I've also made some cameras that are, you know, sub, sub 35 millimeter frame. So if you were to not be constrained by the type of film or the type of uh, paper or whatever recording medium, what to you is like the ideal size? And I'm also gonna, going to ask shape. So rectangle, square, I don't know, circle, triangle, um, oval. Okay, uh, so there, type. unfortunately for you, I have a, recently purchased a very large lens. And so I can immediately say that a 40 inch diagonal square format camera would be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> all right all right so 40 inch so it can it has a 40 inch image circle yeah so you you like a little bit of vignetting at the edge no it's a little bigger than 40 inch so a 40 inch oh. diagonal square would would be well within the image circle of this lens so okay so what's wrong with vignetting at the edge now you don't like vignetting at the edge well i mean <sighs> You can always add that in post-processing, right? Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Okay. So I don't think you... I like spending a lot of money on uh, giant pieces of print paper in order to get vignetting. Okay. Yeah, I can understand that. I can understand that. So you're going square. And and how much of that square and saying 40-inch diameter, how much of that has to do with maybe – um, uh, okay, uh, let me ask this a, a different way. The equipment now is dictating the size. 
is Correct. that ideal size? No, because no, that's, that's an extremely inconvenient camera that, that will have okay. to be pushed around on a wheelbarrow. Yeah. <clears throat> right. Which, yeah, you're going to do anyway. So. Right. Uh, but, okay, so what would be your ideal size? Okay, so I am really ca- very strongly connect with 120 film. Anything you can do with 120 film, because it's it's available in lots of really great emulsions that I like. Okay. And yeah, it's a full film, so you can take more than one picture. So so for me, that's it. Well, no, that I'm not going to ignore that. That's important. The convenience is no, really, no, yeah, yeah, sure, no, but um, but if you could say, oh, okay, so uh, okay, Ilford so, has their ultra so just imagine, format. all right, um, imagine bespoke film yeah. would be provided for me. What would be perfect? Yes. Yeah. Um, I probably might still end up in medium format territory because although. Okay. The bigger, the better. It's certainly true. Four by five is definitely better than six by nine. But the thing is that the cameras get start to get awkward. They start to get big. Okay. Harder to handle. So I guess four by five to medium format in there. That that's the that's the biggest that I like to to handle. But I like big film. So okay. I'm not, I'm not going to say thirty five. Nope. Heather, what do you think? What would be the the, the right size. What is the right size of an image uh, that, you know, removing all the other constraints? Mm, the right size depends on what you're shooting, I think. Oh, OK. OK. Yep. So gi- give us a give us a situation. Um, uh, say portraits. OK, so I was going to shoot portraits. I would stick with like a 120 size okay. because then you can move that camera around nice and mm-hmm. nice and easy. Okay. Uh, and you can take multiples. Like with the sheet film, I don't like that because you're limited and you're like, oh no, each sheet is precious. And right. so, you know, when you're in a in a environment, you want to be able to do multiple shots and so 120 is easy that way but i think you know every picture should be taken truck size picture okay <laughs> okay absolutely but absolutely I, there's you know heather heather i heather i completely agree with you and i i think you're my um you're my um hitherto undiscovered twin oh because because we also invented the same absurd wearable yeah. darkroom independently at the same time i think we were separated at birth and we just have been lied to all this time i believe so we are now we are stars that have met in the night and like are going to explode (laughs) create all this wearable camera stuff you know when when i heard about this afghan box stuff ethan was all excited telling me all about it my lit, my first thought was, well, why aren't we just making an outfit that you do it all in the outfit? I know, same here. Okay, I mean, so, that's, so that's what's no brainer? So, <laughs> probably in so, probably in every sense. What is yeah. the size? <laughs> what what's the size of the image on on that? Have have you guys figured that out? What is well, that's to what fit size? on your chest, and it and you have okay. to the lens can't be too far away because you don't want to be too top heavy. Like you'd have to wear clown shoes to keep from tipping forward. So okay, I you know I don't know eight by ten fits on the chest pretty well. And I think that clown yeah. shoes are entirely appropriate for that. 
<laughs> well, you know, I've already invested some money into this uh, cockamamie idea, and uh, I tested out the material I wanted to use. I'm envisioning wow, okay. like a big um, apple or see-through cherry walking down the street, like mm. the loom. Remember, I just imagine like the fruit of a loom guys, you know, in the apple outfit. Oh, mm. or or the uh, Kool-Aid guy. Yeah, or the Kool-Aid yeah. guy. But we okay. can get poking out so you can breathe, right? Oh, I don't think issue, Nick had that in his. Yeah, I forgot about breathing on mine. Yeah. Yeah. Someone yeah. else brought that in, yeah. But I, I really, I really loved your image of the cigarette girl because that's exactly what I was picturing was that that disc like a, the tray around your waist where you can yes. keep everything's right where your hands you know can get to it and yeah. Yep. See, and I, I went and bought this um, red vinyl from some place in L.A. Wow. I bought I don't know like seven yards of it and it's see-through red vinyl. And nice. I'm like, Here we go. This is. Oh. It. And I tested it in oh. the dark room to see if it would, you know, block the light, and it exposed the paper. So, and well, oh. you Actually, have to get. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you just may have to add, uh, you know, more layers. Well, and... I tried that, you know. So, so then I went to two layers. Then that still didn't block the light. And so then I went up to like ten layers because I cut little a little piece, you know, and mm-hmm. did ten. And it still exposed it. So just because something's mm. red doesn't mean it's going to block the light. Right. I wonder if there's a, I wonder if there's a coating you could use some, some coating on that. Or you may need an uh, outfit for your outfit. So. Well, I just really wanted to be a big red ball walking down the street though. Well, okay. Okay. So you can do that, but you may have to include interior light proofing for the camera portion yeah okay right right. so so you could still wear the red outfit but then you could have like a a black changing bag connecting lens to the uh to the uh film support mechanism whatever that is i picture kind of i picture kind of like a chest plate that you wear you know that you could like just like stick the the paper or the film to so you could just connect that to the lens with a black with a black cloth, like a changing bag. Just buy a regular changing bag, and you can use the armholes and everything. I yeah. love that. Yeah. And you know, but that's the one thing though. I really like the idea of the person that got their photo taken seeing it come up in the tray, like processing, because right. That's the magic, right? Like, why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I want people to see that? That's so you need important. a. So you need a peephole for them. So all you're, all you're going to need is a little place for them to push their eyes up. Yep. And then that can have. So I'm I'm going to try. You know, they make welders, um, yep. welding screens that are really they don't let much light through. And I think some of those might work. Um, and in the little peephole, you can have one of those headlamps that are is red. Yeah. And that's just a little light that just switches on. And I know those are safe because that's what I use in Little Miss Sunshine. Mhm. I like the idea of the peephole. That's nice. Yeah, so they can just peep in and see, and yep. and maybe maybe a couple of them. So if there's two people, yeah. Yeah, and then they can have their own like intimate moment with their own image coming up. I love that. Yeah, it'd be kind of like uh, what's that thing when people are pregnant and they do the the sound? What's that? Oh, like sound a sonogram. Image? Yeah, like a, it'd be like that kind of experience, you know. <laughs> That'd be awesome. 
Yeah. I like okay. okay. I'm going to try to get this train back on the rails. <laughs> Let's see if Ethan will play the game. Ethan, if you could make any size, uh, a camera that shot any size image, what is the ideal image size? <laughs> Oh, and Ethan is muted. Oh, sorry, so, I have um, myself so, muted. There we go. Uh, truck size. <laughs> truck size. <laughs> oh no, everyone's oh, going no. to do it. Oh yeah, I think that's the game okay. we're playing today. So yeah, or and we're not going to say skyscraper size because. Um, oh, so yeah. Ethan, you've got the new like giant 3D printer that will do truck size. No, I don't. Uh, but I do have designs on buying a bigger 3D printer to make a handheld 8x10 ever since I started making these direct positives. But maybe we'll uh, talk about it later nice. in the show. <laughs> okay. So what do you guys say? Uh, let's start the Homemade Camera Podcast. Okay. Let's do it. So we have with us uh, our second guest ever, and uh, of course, since our first guest eventually joined um, uh, joined the podcast, uh, Heather, eventually you're going to have to join our podcast. But we have Heather, and I am going to guess. Oklaus? Oklaus? Yeah. Oklaus, you did it great. Perfect. Okay. Okay. Wonderful. Um, and uh, Heather, uh, some of you may have heard Heather on the Lensless podcast, and this has got to go back maybe almost a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, she talked on that podcast about what I've got to say is maybe one of my favorite cameras of all time. It is Little Miss Sunshine, which is um, uh, essentially an it looks like it's an old rider rental truck. Is Am I right on that? That's or, what it looks Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it is uh, essentially um, a van, a panel van um, that is uh, it, that is a camera. So let's just start with that. Let, that is to me, that's the 800 pound gorilla in the room. So let's <laughs> talk about Little Miss Sunshine. Or and oh, and also tell us about yourself a little bit as we as we talk about Little Miss Sunshine as well. <clears throat> she, well, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Anytime I can talk about Little Miss Sunshine, I'm a happy camper. So um, I really appreciate you taking time to do that. I'm honored to be the second guest. And I <laughs> get roped into to this. I, I'd be happy to join the, the club. So <laughs> <All right. laughs> it'll just expand forever. So Little Miss Sunshine is a bright yellow 1977 Chevy box truck, 14 foot long box truck that I bought for the sole purpose to use as a camera in 2012. Okay. So that's the gist of it. It started on World War, Worldwide Pinhole Photography Day 2011 when I had a group of people over to my house to share my dark room and make their own cameras and take their own pictures and do all that. And I really love that communal aspect of pinhole photography. And 
I just said, you know, next year I'm just going to have a truck because I've done pinhole for since like 1992. And I just, you know, bigger, 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 different cameras, doing different things. And I always just want, let's just have it on wheels and be mobile with it. And sure. by the next year's Worldwide Pinhole Day, I was shooting Little Miss Sunshine. So. Okay, yeah. so. So we're all about building cameras. So let's talk a little bit. Of the, what are the dimensions? What's the biggest sized image that you can create in in that box truck? Oh, so in the back, if I had photo paper from, oh man, the angle of view is amazing. Let's see. I wrote it all down. Okay. Right? So if I had photographic emulsion on the inside of the truck, the whole thing would get exposed from the top to the bottom to the, all the way to the sides, except oh. maybe about maybe about three feet, you know, just um, right and left of the hole. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. And, and so that was like a huge deciding factor because let's see my angle of view. Oh, let's see. It says it's 80 degrees, but it's really the whole, it's really like 120 degrees. It's so wide. So that was like the major decision, though, was how, when I bought it, do I paint the inside white? And then you see the projection all over. I mean, it's just the whole room, you know. Or right. paint it black so I don't have light bouncing around. And I decided to paint it black because, in essence, it is a camera. It had to be functional that way. But, boy, right. it was hard because, I mean, everywhere you look, the world is swirling around you in the, in the middle of this truck. Cool. So. Right. So, okay, so um, th- my first thought immediately, as soon as you started saying that you can do – the the floor and the ceiling and the walls yeah you, you know um chicken thumbs on instagram uh you you see his uh he does he um cuts i think it's paper negatives yes oh, um yes. yep so so you could do that <laughs> well yeah i could okay I could wallpaper the whole thing and have it and be oh. right in the middle of it Right. Okay. So, um, so what is the, so essentially, um, if you want it to be just like a flat image, um, without the, that effect of, uh, of doing the edges, what is the inside, um, top to bottom and left to right? So top, like just the space. Yeah. Like something like seven feet square or something like that. Yeah. So, the photos that I take, I had to decide on a size. Yeah. Okay. And so I decided on five foot by 10 foot. And so I, I got a a metal sheet that was um, like still, and I put it up on the opposite wall and then I gridded it out with eight by 10 mark, you know, just like a Sharpie Uh marker and divided it up. I think it's something like 84 sheets of eight by 10 paper. Oh my. And that, and I stuck it right there in the middle of the wall. And that actually works out really good because if you go too far down on the bottom of the wall, then you're getting um, all sky and it's just black, you know? Right. Okay. And so you might as well have more of the, more of the top anyway, but I did it right in the middle and 
Mm-hmm. And I bought little tiny magnets that were the same diameter of the aperture, which is one and a half millimeters. Okay. And so I bought enough magnets, um, those earth magnets, so I could magnet each corner of the paper when I put it on the wall, on the magnetic wall. That's crazy. You're using almost a whole box of 100 sheets of paper right. every time oh, you yeah. make an exposure. Yeah. That, that was one of the things that, um, you know, the building the camera, it's so fun to think about it and do it. And I just imagined myself just bebopping around town and, you know, pulling <laughs> up and taking a picture. And then I'm like, okay, it's about a box of paper. Okay. <laughs> it's about an hour to put it on. It's about, uh, you know, two hours to process. It's another two yeah. hours another day to actually scan them because you got to have scans because I, I show what I shoot so they're one of a kind type of things and so I got to right. have that and then to mount them on foam core that's another you know everything's expensive and time consuming and so the bebop and yeah. around never really happened <laughs> <laughs> you know something that I was thinking about um, is okay so it's five feet tall uh by 10 feet wide right that's just the that's just the image but the inside like my um yeah i'm not sure if that's what you were asking but well my my focal length is like seven and a half feet okay so here's what i was thinking and um if you were to i mean you might need like a picnic table but (laughs) if you put somebody seven and a half feet away from the pinhole they're going to be seven and a half or they're going to be it's a one to one one to one right Mm -hmm. yeah you can do you can do macro almost and for some people full body but uh, for other people almost full body uh portraits with this type of thing yes and the one thing you got to watch out for though is the shadow of the truck uh, yeah, yeah, coming yeah. across the person uh, so uh, you don't want it too close because then you're just getting the shadow of the truck and then the back and you got to shoot on a bright sunny day or else you're going to have someone stand there for an hour and a half right you right. know so the shortest exposure time i was ever able to get with photo paper was like super hot sunny day and it was 12 and a half minutes okay so, so I mean, a mannequin, you know, I thought about this. I could do mannequins could sit there and stage a scene and they'd be right. nice and sharp. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe you or, could work with some sort of anesthetic. Yeah. Or, you know, I could just turn <laughs> the engine on and the fumes from the exhaust pipe <laughs> do the job. Oh, it's you like, can. It is from the 70s. Specialize in dead people. Yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, we're going to. Now we're getting to the Joel P- Peter Weichen um, yeah. character, territory. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay. you know, and also, and also, Graham, if if you just back away a little, I mean, two to one will still show a lot of detail in your acne and, you know. And, and, right, I mean, right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm oh. always amazed at how much detail I get. The textures on everything. It's uh-huh. It's really mind-blowing. It is... When it processes, it does bring me back 
to the very first times when I was learning darkroom and being, you know, experimental and enjoying that and feeling like, whoa, this is something new. I still get that feeling every time I process those images. So cool. That, that's the joy of it. So, and I've been yeah. doing darkroom since I was uh, in high school. So it's been, it's been a few years now. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so how did you get here? How did you get to, uh, be the, um, uh, the crazy camera truck lady? You know, I, uh, crazy is just a name that goes, it follows me along. I love that you call me that because <laughs> there was at a point, there was a point in my life when I was younger and people would always call me crazy Heather. And so I thought, well, I just want to work at places with the word crazy in the name. So I actually found two places. One was called Jamaican Me Crazy, and one was called Crazy <laughs> Mike's. It was a bar. One was at, one time I was bartender, and one time I was a waitress. So that was pretty crazy to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> but how I got here, let's see. I was um, raised in Iowa, small town. Oh, hey, we're in Iowa. I'm from Iowa. You're from Iowa? It's a little yeah. town called LeGrand. It's okay. by Mar it's by Marshalltown, right in the center. Okay. Okay. And forty five yeah, minutes east of Des Moines is what Okay. I, I spent a lot of time in Creston, which is southwest. Yes. So. Yep. Okay. Anyway, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, that's okay. And so the the one thing about this little town is you know, you I went to call or high school with the same teachers that were teaching my parents, you know, it just not a lot of change happens, but it was still small town. Like everyone knew everyone. We had a wonderful um, art teacher, Will Hildebrandt, and he was a great teacher in the fact that it was like, you want to try it? Okay, go ahead. And one time I said, I want to learn photography. And he goes, well, okay, um, you're going to have to teach yourself because I only remember what I did in college. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and so that summer I helped him build a dark room in the art room. You know, we went in there and did it. And I figured out, read out, read up how to do it and did it, you know. Oh, so cool. And that really, well, that kind of encouragement was vital to me. You know, my father was a carpenter and a businessman and he built our house he designed and built our house and so being around tools and the attitude of if you need something or want to learn something you go and do it you find a way to do it and i don't know if that really exists too much anymore you know so i yeah, so, really cherish so, that now so heather i grew up in in the same circumstances in a tiny town in new hampshire and we built our own house and all of that has the same meaning to me as it does to you see right yeah. There. hell yeah i grew up in the age of the internet i just ordered my new house on amazon <laughs> <laughs> and youtube did right excuse me while i go tweet well, I, hope you, I hope you use Prime because, you know, you're going to need that real soon. Oh, yes, absolutely. Get it overnighted. So with this encouragement also led to, like, I was, you know, involved in painting and drawing and whatever. 
you know, I was just able to do all that type of stuff. And so I decided I want to go to art school. So I went into um, down to Kansas City Art Institute, which was interesting from being from a small town. You know, I, that was the first time I saw anyone of a different color than me and everything at 18 years old. And here I was in the big city and I just loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. I majored in sculpture. Because, you know, I figured I knew everything about photography already. Why bother? <laughs> <laughs> My God, it is so embarrassing. But uh, I still don't know everything about photography, and I never want to. I want to just keep learning. But back then, I, was, I, I wanted to work with tools and, you know, wear the steel-toed boots and, like, cut wood and weld and do all that. And that's what I did and loved all that. So... That's so, my love of building stuff, I guess. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what I was gonna uh, about to say. So you're you're still building stuff. Yeah, still building stuff. I still have those same boots, and every time I wear them, I just am filled with joy. I love it. So like. Hey, let me ass. let <laughs> me ask a uh, derailing question here, Heather. Do you build things other than cameras? Yes, I do. I get I've been getting into kinetic sculptures and okay. trying, to, uh, trying to like I like the idea of like DC motors and I haven't done enough of it that I want to post it and really show it off quite yet. But um that's something that's been moving around in my brain for a while here and um cool. I also like installation performance work with typewriters and typewriters like strapped to my back like a backpack and out maybe old typewriters facing each other in the middle of like a scenic overlook or something like that and so that I don't get to use a lot of building but it does come in handy because when you're when you're working in sculpture you think from the end product to the beginning instead of from the beginning to the end yeah that's exactly what i do yeah and so with this afghan camera stuff that's what i'm thinking you know before i get too far down the rabbit hole i want to know what it what the experience is and then design for that experience yep that is the opposite way that i design everything (laughs) well (laughs) Well, that's see, see, Heather, I'm I'm a sculptor and a welder as well, and that's exactly how I do it. Yep. See. No wonder we're crazy in the same way. I love it. I love it. Well, when did you start building your first camera? What What's everyone's first camera they ever built? Uh, I'll I'll go ahead and say um yeah the classic oatmeal box uh pinhole. Um, you know, in eighth grade, I absolutely loved that thing, even though it, you know, it, it never took what I would consider a fabulous picture. The fact that I could build it, um, and I can build it out of anything. And it was, uh, and it, it, you know, it was the classic, um, you know, uh, give a man a fish and he'll eat for a day, teach a man to fish and he'll eat for a lifetime, you know. Yeah, give me a pinhole camera and I'll take a, pictures until that pinhole camera breaks, but teach me how to build it and I'll build a hundred thousand of them. 
you know, uh, much to my wife's chagrin, but, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I'm a little bit overrun uh, with pinhole cameras that I've made. But uh, but yeah, that whole thing, uh, it was that first um, uh, pinhole camera. And I've and, and I have that affinity with pinhole photography because um, those pinhole cameras when I was, um, you know, 12 or 13 years old. So, that. Ethan, when was your first? Um, I mean, I definitely built a Quaker Oats pinhole camera many times before, but I think the first one that I really enjoyed and, and thought about was like an 8x10 for shooting paper negatives when I was in college. I was uh, too broke for a regular 8x10 camera or even film, and uh, I just built it out of like hand tools. I think I had like a hand saw and maybe a you know cordless drill. Just you know, out of lumber and, and fittings from Lowe's or Home Depot. It's pretty fun. Been doing it ever since. <laughs> All right, Nick, what do you? What was your first camera that you built? Oh, I I think it's pretty recent. Um, so I just was happy to use a ready-made camera for years and years and years and years. And it wasn't really until I started falling back into film photography, and essentially couldn't afford the cameras I wanted, and so I just immediately went to building because. I make things for a living. That's what I do. So it just was like, okay, I need a camera. I can get some of the parts. And my tendency is to find ready-made parts and stick them together um, because it's it's like time is short and let's mm-hmm. just get you know get there. And uh, but you know I am now more and more interested in making cameras, thinking about it more as a sculptor, making cameras that are just beautiful and wonderful in themselves. And that's a whole other thing. That's not like. The cameras I've been making are just because I want to get a certain photograph, so I need to make a certain kind of camera in order to get the photograph, you know. But there's a whole other world of making cameras that are just beautiful and, and enjoyable to use. And this podcast is pushing and me wearable. in that direction. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This, po- this podcast is pushing me in the direction of making cameras for their own sake. And that's mm-hmm. really just as a result of connecting up with Graham and and babbling on the internet about uh-huh. cameras. That's a side effect. Um, for me, it started with actually just trying to make certain photographs. Um, but now I'm starting to see the cameras as sort of a worthwhile goal in, in themselves. So yeah. I have a, I have a question about, okay, so you have little miss sunshine. Yep. Are, are you, are you thinking bigger? Are you thinking yes. what, what's, what's the next step? What is, what what's little miss sunshine number two is it a semi well i've thought about that because you know then that'd Uh be panoramic i'd have to i would i would have like three holes so then it'd be like a blender like the pinhole. sure definitely you know road trips are the best for me to think because i'm like oh that'd be a good camera oh that'd be a good camera you know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Every semi I see, I'm like, oh, how would I make okay. that happen as a camera? Okay, Heather, stay away from airports because those would make good cameras too. <laughs> oh, that'd yeah, be good. I want to say I've seen college kids play this game with bombs. Well, I, I'm I'm not sure I follow you there. Like um, staring at everything uh, and seeing if they could turn it into a bomb. I definitely okay. saw this oh, freshman year of. Of college, watermelons, uh-huh. juice. Oh, let's see. Were things you could things you could drop off the top of the dorm. 
Yeah. <laughs> so, 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 are are you? What are you thinking? What's the? What's cooking in my head is not a mobile unit. Um, with on my trips and thinking about my home where I grew up, you know those gorgeous um silo. corn bins. Oh, oh yeah. Corn Not cribs. Really all silos, but just those metal corn bins. Corn have, crib. Yeah. Yeah. Corn crib and but they are metal and they have the wavy sides like the corn mm-hmm. sides. I think that that needs to be oh, my yes. next one. And I want it yeah. to be on the lawn of like a museum or something. People then people can go in and you can do like like a you know how you get in the dark room and you can go around the corners. And go into a dark space. Right. That way, that's how you would enter. And then you would, you know, be able to sit maybe in some sort of like, I don't know, like beanbag chairs or something. I have beanbag chairs in Little Miss Sunshine. Everyone loves them. So you sit there and you just watch the world. It would be more of just a camera obscura maybe and not a camera. That's probably more what I'm wanting is experience instead of actually sure. shooting. Yeah. That's yeah, a great I, idea. And you can always take pictures inside the camera obscura. Yeah, yeah, you can always set up something and do it that way. And I like the idea of like um, those pull down uh, screens, for, you know, when you do old home movies and stuff and those old projector screens. Sure. I, would, I would love like a whole floor of a skyscraper full of those pulled down in that whole room. Is oh, like yeah. And you pull those down and do all that. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah. That might be. Uh, Brendan Berry did something somewhat like that not too long ago. Yeah. Um, and that that I think was as that was unfolding uh, on Instagram. I thought that that was just absolutely wonderful. Yep. So it's so, so wow. easy to do. Have any of y'all turned rooms into camera obscuras before? No, I haven't. But Heather, what you've been talking about is something I've been thinking about as a sort of spin-off of the idea of a wearable darkroom. But just the idea, I love folding cameras. I love big cameras that, that you can put in your pocket. And the idea that of making a camera that's entirely made of fabric and a framework, so mm-hmm. you could make a big camera, but it folds down small. Mm. Um, and so this idea that you're having of this big camera, instead of having to buy a semi-truck, just make something that you can that you can expand from a small, you know, so remember those campers right. that were like a trailer that would pop up and turn into like, you know, a 12 bed, you know, Catholic family home that would be yep. towed behind your, your car. <laughs> I so, love it. yeah. So like you could do that kind of a camera where you just have to get a bunch of light proof fabric and some kind of, you know, like yurts were made of those, those accordion yep. folding frames, that, that sort of thing. Well, you know where you get that. I got one in my garage right now. It's a Eskimo ice fishing tent. Oh, yeah. Those red, one, those red ones. So back a few years ago when wet plate clothing got real hot and everyone was starting doing it, I jumped on the bandwagon, right. was starting to do wet plate clothing. And, of course, you want to go mobile with it. And so researching, like, mobile dark rooms, mobile wet plate clothing, I think those Eskimo tents, since they are all red – intense they're pretty much a safe light situation going on you just pin up all the little tiny pinholes 
And as long as you use paper, mm-hmm. not film, mm-hmm. if you use paper as a nag, you could put a lens right there and just have kind of camera going on right there pretty easily. That's so super appealing. Time. That's super appealing because you can take it into more remote places than something that has to be on, you know, a, a engine you know, like your Little Miss Sunshine, you have to stay on the roads, but this would be something yeah. you could you could drag or put on a raft and take out on the water or whatever. Yeah. 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 Wow. Okay. So I just um, uh, googled the Eskimo uh, ice fishing tents. They, you can get a six-person ice fishing shanty tent for two fifty two hundred fifty-six bucks at Walmart. Yep. So that's Walmart, a cheap camera. And you can right. <laughs> and it's available at Walmart. Oh my god. But they can pop right up. You pop them right up. It takes like uh-huh. I think it's like a minute and a half to like assemble. That's uh-huh. like shorter than the exposure time. Like Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty nice. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. Um uh yeah, okay. Um <laughs> I I I love the idea of um uh, of the 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 corn bin um that is um and definitely i see where your your inspiration came from that one of the things i was thinking about with when when i first hit on where you were going um with that when i when i thought about all those silos um you could uh use roll paper mm-hmm. and just kind of you know, hang them from the top and let them unroll. Mm. And so it would be like a vertical, you know, vertical panoramic. Um, and uh, yeah, there's something to that. Have you, have you thought of, um, now these are, these are camera obscura, pinhole camera type of things. Have you thought of lenses for any of these? I never, you know, I haven't, but I have stuck, um, what have I done? I've stuck, Oh, Bond Photo, Bond Photo, the ones that you can buy, oh, they're on Instagram. It's just like a, yeah, like a magnifying lens type of thing. And it it brightens it. I've stuck lenses on the front. I've even put my glasses in front. It makes it brighter. It would definitely, you know, it would definitely um, cut my exposure time down quite a bit. Hmm. But then I'd have to probably bring it forward a little bit the focal plane forward i would imagine right 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 which i did i did when i was making this and buying that sheet metal i thought i had a forethought of making one that was three foot by three foot and on a easel so on rainy days when it would when my exposure would be like god it want to be like five hours long right i would move it forward and still mm-hmm. be and I could, it was kind of neat because then I could um, tilt and shift the back, you know, the focal plane where the paper was. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Easel. It was really kind of neat. It really had an awesome distortion, which that's what I'm looking forward to doing next with Little Miss Sunshine. Because I, I had all these ideas when I first got her and I wrote them all down. And then I thought, wait a minute, I hate it when people like go to like the farthest reaches before they actually do what it's made to do. Okay, sure. You know, then I wanted to make a series about, you know, photographing what would my vehicle want to photograph if it was a person, 
you know, and so it's roadside kind of attraction type of things and <laughs> other vehicles. They would photograph airplanes or trains, other, you know, modes of transportation. And so now I'm at the point where it's like, okay, been there, done that. I had the show of it. And now I want to do more of the kind of, I would say, more artistic uh, thinking in realms with that camera. Uh, so I want to do like bits and pieces of the world instead of photographing the whole scene. I just want to photograph like this mailbox and mm-hmm. that might be four sheets of paper. Okay. And then I want to photograph, you know, this vintage sign and then that's it. And then maybe at some point combine it in its own, like Robert Rauschenberg type looking piece of work. Uh huh. You know, kind of create my own worlds that way. And I want to hang things from the ceiling. And that way I get positive, negative. I want to do triple exposures. And I got all kinds of plans with this thing. So just got to have more time and more paper to do it. Yeah. Well, I think I like the idea of your moving your focal plane forward so that you don't have to use so many sheets of paper. You get more light and... Have more control i think that's a great idea i think a rear standard movements are sort of the neglected side of uh field photography because mm. most field cameras are all about the front standard moving yeah. but there's a lot of advantages to controlling the rear standard instead and that that's something i i think is really worth looking at yeah when i work with the view camera I'm, that's what i'm usually messing around with is the back mm-hmm Distorting it that way and trying to figure out, you know, just how to make it not such a flat plane. Just mm-hmm. I think that's when you can really get into the fine art of photography. Right. Now, can I tell you about another camera I got in the works? Please. <laughs> oh my God. I feel like I'm talking too much. No, 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 no. That's why we have you. You are not, and you you beat me to chiming in with the next bunch of questions, which include uh, how many cameras have you built, and what is the next camera you are building? <laughs> uh, well, I don't know how many I've built. They'd all be pinholes, that's for sure. Um, I'd probably say I've probably, well, I would guess high 80. You know, just from little things to, you know, uh, bellhop cart cameras and <laughs> things like that. Wait, 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 wait. What's a bellhop cart camera? Well, you get yourself, this is what you do. You get yourself a bellhop cart. Right. You have to be able to run faster than a bellhop. Okay. Yeah, you got you to gotta do that. You um, shroud it in um, blackout fabric with bungee cords and whatnot and you hang a piece of paper on the inside poke holes on the fabric you know pinhole on the fabric and then take it around town and shoot so multiple pinholes yeah i did i decided to do three pinholes for that which is so discombobulating because mm-hmm. the top one's hitting the bottom and the bottom one's hitting the top. <laughs> you know, you're you're out in the world and everyone's looking at you like, what? <laughs> what are you doing? And I'm focused in on, you know, just making sure it doesn't roll away from me. And 
Did you remember to wear a bellhop uniform while you were operating this? Nope, nope, nope. Alright, so no wonder people were confused. We're talking about this like it's a perfectly normal thing to have come up with without like any questioning of why, how. Uh, So yeah, it's my bellhop card. Well, because it's a big thing you can move quickly with on the street and sort of look reasonably kind of a little bit maybe believable as a normal activity, sort of. Heather, is that the story? <laughs> I guess I guess I kind of give up on the whole uh, how to fit in or what, you know, not not looking like too much of a freak out in the world because it's just what it is. And the picture's more important than my uncomfortable feelings of people looking at me like I'm weird. So I'm like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> If you knew what this was, could do, you would think was pretty cool. So just calm down. But the bellhop camera came into play in my life. I was at um, Port Aransas, Texas, meeting with a group of ladies. We're called Shootapalooza. And I brought all this shrouded fabric curtain. It was tons of it. I had gotten it for free. And I was wanting to shroud like, Something on the beach, like one of those beach changing mm-hmm. little structures. But then we got there it was so windy and I didn't have enough and it was crazy. So I just, okay, whatever. We went back into the hotel room and Judy Sherrard, which was the leader um, of the group and such an influence um, on a lot of uh, photographic artists. Um, she wanted to sneak her dog into the hotel. And so she goes, hey, Heather, let's um, let's cover this bellhop cart and sneak B in. Her name is the dog is B. And I'm like, wait a minute. Hang on. And so we shrouded the bellhop cart, poked a hole in it, and had someone sit inside and put bungee cords around it to, you know, make it so it was tight, light tight. And we went up and down the parking lot laughing and just dying of laughter because <laughs> It took two people to, like, run around with it, but the person inside was just, like, screaming and squealing with delight because you're sitting in this bellhop cart, and, you know, you got white-walled fabric around you, and the world is upside down and backwards spinning at a rate that's crazy. And so, if you ever get a chance to take a ride in a bellhop pinhole camera, I definitely want you to do it. That reminds me very much of uh, Justin Quinnell's – he has these heads that he puts – or helmets that he puts on people, and so they're looking at the world through a pinhole. Yeah. And so everything's upside down and backwards, and, you know, he stages soccer matches and stuff like that. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, that that I think is uh, is is very much akin – I think it's an improvement though because you you're you're sort of being bathed in light in this big mm-hmm. picture. It sounds yeah. it sounds like a, a really good viewfinder experience in the bellhop version. Yeah. And you're not yeah. in control of going right or left or what. <laughs> you just have this blind faith. Right. Uh in uh, the camera operator, you know. Uh that's a bellhop. <laughs> that's a bellhop. That's bellhop. Yeah. Bellhop. Sorry, you know. <laughs> that's great. So, in the back of Little Miss Sunshine right now is my bellhop cart. 
So my one camera can house my other cameras too at the same time. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. That's the, the Russian <laughs> the Russian doll approach, which we exactly. ha- we have talked about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which I made pinhole cameras out of those too, a nesting oh, yeah. doll. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, we we saw on your website the uh, the teapot. Yes. Um, that <laughs> looked like a very nice silver teapot that might not hold so much tea not today. so much al- <laughs> although that might be the perfect vessel for your uh self-developing pinhole camera oh oh like you're talking about the uh, developing tanks right situation right the maybe teapot. yeah it's already it's made for liquids right yep yeah, there we go. <laughs> and you can pour in, pour out. Right. This is just getting easier and easier. Why isn't everyone doing this? I think everybody is going to eventually. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure it's the new thing. Yeah, yeah. we have the lensless folks uh, on board, so. This and it's is, and it's yeah. a trend. Everything should be a camera. I mean, that's a trend already, and mm-hmm. might as well just keep going. That's right. <laughs> That's definitely a contest in there for us to run sometime in the future. The everything is a camera contest. Mm-hmm. Oh, everything is. I love that. What a what a great way to see the world, quite literally, right? Because uh, since it's a camera, uh, <laughs> that's the one thing that's Excuse so me. nice about teaching photography. Um, that when students start learning how to take pictures, they used to come up and say, oh, I see photos everywhere now. I see everything in black and white, or I see everything as a negative now. I miss that. They don't say that much anymore, but, Mm. and I really, I loved that moment because it was like, oh gosh, they are just like learning how to see through a camera. You know, yeah, and and I, I, I'm with you in that, um, uh, you know, I'm teaching the, the one photography class that we have at my college. But um, uh, do, you, do you suppose it is because they take so many pictures, the value of the picture has been diminished? Oh, the value sure. of any any particular image? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, we're we're looking at images so much that we forget that we're just making these snap judgments about them where before taking time to compose and really think before you click. Right. And um, pay money for the film. So it's easy to forget that, that the brain and the eyes are just a camera. Exactly. And, and that, that's what we did all along before there were cell phones. You know, we were, we were busy taking pictures all day long with our brains and our eyes. And there was something different when you actually made a picture. Making a picture is not the same thing as just letting your, your brain or your cell phone do its normal job. There's something, you know, you have to do something extra. You've got to, like, exert a little effort and, and look for something special. And that's... That's what's different. I think cell phones, in a way, are just an extension of our regular our regular brains. It's just changed our focal length. We used to be 42 millimeters, and now we're 28 millimeters because mm. we use phones instead of our, our own eyes. 
You know, uh, one of the things that I keep talking a lot, and, and anybody who listens regularly uh, knows that I harp on this, but it's the idea of going down the fidelity curve, going going away from from the crisp and the um, and, and the sharp uh, into that area that um, is interpretive and um, is is not what you know, you can you can get with any uh, standard digital camera, uh, although, you know, we can modify digital cameras to do those as well. But uh, do you think, Heather, that that's some of what drives you for making these other experiences, um, ma- you know, the uh, making these uh, making cameras that take pictures that are not expected, yeah. you know, are, are not common? Yeah. I think it is that it is about the experience. I mean, that's some might argue that's what life is about are the experiences that you have. Sure. Um, and so if I can provide that, I'm getting the kick out of it too. I mean, you, I put people in the back loom as sunshine and the images appear. And, you know, if you can ever do anything that make people go, oh, what? I mean, that's it, you know? Yeah. So I deal with a lot of the work I do um, with photography and with printmaking. There's a lot of like reveal moments, you know, where mm-hmm. you think you know what's going to happen and then you pull the paper off like the printing press and it's, ah, you know, like these aha moments or the prints coming up in the developer. And yeah. the more people that can realize that, I just, I just really miss that. Um, even now to the point where I had a niece and I had like an Instax camera. She's like, what's that? So I took mm-hmm. a picture of her and, you know, it came out blank, you know, white. And I said, just hold it and look. Don't stop looking. Just look until I tell you to stop looking. And, you know, it takes like a good three minutes for it to fully come up. But after that right. three it's, she thought I was performing some sort of magic, you know. <laughs> she, I, it, she was young enough; she'd never seen a Polaroid before. And and, and you know what? And she's not wrong, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it is magic. It's science as well, but it is magic. And that's uh, and I, I and I agree with you. I think that there are not enough people out there um, of uh, of Ethan's generation. <laughs> I think it's sort of sad that he's the youngster on this show, but anyway. <laughs> Damn kids. Like, oh God, these people. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So so I mean I you know, part of the deal is um I, I the more that we can show these types of experiences uh and, and results and and provide them with with experiences of the results mm-hmm. that we get, um, then I think that there's uh, interest will build. And it, you know, and it, it, okay, so think back um, 1975. In 1975, uh, the number of people who had cameras, um, you know, every household certainly had a camera, right? Yeah. Um, but not every household had a photographer. So if we go back to the, you know, the people who are 
who are making, you know, the really interesting images in 1975, I think that they're just as rare as the people are making interesting images today. It's just that there are a whole lot of other people who are using the tools to make a bunch of other images. Yeah. If it makes any sense. That makes sense. So so hopefully we'll we'll catch some of those other people on. And I you know I I have no vested interest in it becoming super popular. Um I, I'm just saying that you know um uh, mm. you know, we're not dead yet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, definitely not. No, I, yeah. Don't we all have the vested interest in uh, film photography becoming more popular and then making more films and and cheaper films? Or just um, continuing we, to make abs- the films we have at yes, even a higher we, price. <laughs> right. We absolutely do have a vested interest in it, and 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 that's real. But if I was just trying to get people to pay more attention, I'd actually want them to be drawing with a pencil and paper, mm. um, because then that's oh, an wait, even no, no that's an even on stone. No, no, pencil and paper is <laughs> fine. That that's that's a more intimate, even more intimate connection with the visual world and. It takes even more time and energy. Uh, so that's not really what we're we're here talking about photographs because that magic trick is this balance between what we perceive and what we are hoping to convey and what's there, whether we like it or not. And that's the thing about photography. With photography, you have to work with what's there to some extent and you can play with it. But you are stuck working with reality. Whereas if you're drawing, there's sort of no limit to what you can decide about what you want to convey. You're, oh, you're absolutely right uh, with that. I, I fully agree with that. Um, however, um, you know, my choice uh, to a large extent is that is is recording the visual world um, with a camera. But yeah, and um, then you're you're collaborating, and that's a different experience. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Heather, um, you're you teach uh, currently, correct? I'm staff, so I help. OK, I did teach um, adjunct. OK, um, now I supervise a darkroom and print shop at a liberal arts college. OK, OK. Um, so a very fancy liberal arts college. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we um, have we have funding. <laughs> just uh, it, just to let you know, my college um, just did a uh, had a reorganization and I moved out of a department that was uh, visual and performing arts. That was its own department. And now I'm in the arts and sciences department and they specifically took the word word liberal off of arts. Uh, <laughs> and so. So you're in the conservative uh, yeah. anyway, arts faculty. You're in the uh, conservative arts so. faculty. Apparently yeah. so. Uh, apparently so. Uh, yeah. So anyway, um, okay. So so in that situation, um, do you find that you're are are you finding um, students who are like seeing some of the things that you do and just um, getting on board, or are you just the crazy whacked out lady in the corner? Uh, who tells them <laughs> that they need to need to wear a uh, an apron so they don't get their um, clothes dirty? <laughs> I don't know. There, there's a little bit of all of that. 
And over, okay. I worked at this position for 10 years. Uh -huh. when, when I first got there, I just think students have changed. For one, the world has changed. I get it. You know, it, everyone that came in had some sort of dark room experience from their high school or whatnot. And now it it's like there's no one that has a dark room experience. So if they do, they love it. But most of them haven't. Um, and so they don't even really kind of even know what that room is until they, you know, the parents, when they come in and do a tour, they're like, oh, the dark room. I, I love being in the dark room. I'm like, here, take a whiff of this. And I have them smell the fixer bottle and it brings them <laughs> right back to their high school days and yeah. college days. And they love it. That smell of fixer is a, is a potion to transport them back yeah. in time. But so I so it's a little yeah so it's easier for you but a little harder for the students. It is, and you know they're so focused on time, which one of my best friend is a weaver, Jean Steiner, and she does these huge like six foot by six foot double weave weavings that you know uh -huh. she can do four of them in a year. She is cooking with steam, yeah. and the students always ask her how much time did this take. How much mm -hmm. time we laugh about it because we never even think about that. I mean, as an artist, you can't put, you know, a number to time spent creating something because you always kind of are. Um, but right. it's, they're, they're the young ones. They're the ones with the most time and they're the ones most concerned about wasting time. And it mm -hmm. just me up. I'm like. If I had 24-7 access to a dark room when I was 20 years old, I would be put a cot in there. I'd be living in there. Right. It, that does not happen. It's almost kind of like, how quick can we get done so we can go do something else? Mm. But there's always one or two out of the year that will go, okay, what? Let's do this. And, you know, like last year I had a wonderful student. Her name was Gayathri that... That learned she never she she did her thesis senior art thesis in photography but never shot a picture or used the enlarger but she printed with um, like 24 inch by five foot long mural paper by doing like cameraless photography doing like capturing water in motion in the dark room oh, cool and so you got to find the way kind of around it so they can do it yeah. that way. Cause they all, they all have an idea of what they think photography is. And, mm -hmm. you know, there was, who was it that said, was it Annie Leibovitz? Is she the one that said that, that the best camera you have right now is your iPhone in your pocket. And I really don't believe that. And Annie and Annie never shoots with her iPhone. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. No, that's not, just because you have something doesn't mean you should. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Yeah. The best yeah. camera you can have is the one you choose to take with you. Not just because it's happening yeah, right. to be right there in your back pocket. Now, if you're a craftsperson, you you care about your tools. Period. Yeah. 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 Hey. Like, Packing for a trip can be just mind-numbing. I don't care about how many pairs of underpants or pants or whatever, but how much room I have for cameras is painstaking. Like, oh, God, 
you know, if I can only take four cameras, which ones is it going to be? That is hard. That's mm-hmm. a hard decision, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I it, hope that's I, yeah, I just need to, to question is, um, you know, we've been really fixated on your giant cameras, but I, you know, I've seen a bunch of your smaller cameras, and I wonder if you have built any that you carry around every day or, or sort of as a more maneuverable supplement when you go on the road with Little Miss Sunshine? Well, I do like a Hasselblad. I, whenever I go on a shoot, I like to take a Hasselblad and a Holga. Cause I like, I always think that's kind of funny how one's like, you know, $2,700 and one's $27. Mutton Jeff. You know, the best image comes from the $27 one usually because you're just there having fun experiencing and you don't really care if it turns out, but the other one you're so careful with. And I always Mm -hmm. take a rolly with me, but I have a collection of, at this moment, I haven't been done inventorying them but about 250 cameras <laughs> i feel much better <laughs> in my collection and they're beautiful and i love them and so i will just load one and just take with me so every every time i'm going out i have something different um but yeah there's probably six or seven cameras loaded at the same time and so if i just whatever you know i want to grab as i go out the door because you never know you might want to do stereo photos you might do you know gopro stuff even or you know cameras that i don't know all that i just got too many i completely understand i probably have about 60 or 70 hammers and they are all different yes yes yep i love that the tools are important and there's always more possibility in other tools that we have as well. That's the, that's that that's a little bit of a, a, a of a trap, but it's also an opportunity, um, you know, for for uh, for us as camera builders. Um, and and it, that is, you know, kind of what I was getting at with my opening question about the size of the camera, uh, and you know, and part of the deal was also that we knew that you had a truck size camera <laughs> but but the you know we we get um you know you shoot 35 and you're locked into that you know a rectangle that i find uh, too long or or too short sometimes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um you know, and and so we we build these cameras that make different sized images, and but we're also locked into okay eight by ten paper and mm. and uh, you know or, or an eight by ten negative for that matter, and uh, I, I'm just interested in the idea of making an image that is other, you know, it is something other and. Uh, you know, I built built the camera uh, last year that was a six six centimeter by three centimeter camera, um, and just with the idea of, you know, hey, on 120 film you get two shots per normal shot, right? Um, and but it's a different shape, and it's it, it's that that type of thing. So that's one of the things that you know, 250 cameras, yeah, that's a lot, but that's not enough, is it? It's not enough. Uh, you know what you're doing when you're making that 
what was it, three centimeter by six centimeter camera. What you're yeah. doing is we're getting back to what I was, what I think, like I miss the students wanting to do is that camera now that you made has forced you to look at the world differently in order Absolutely. to make the images inside that box look right. And yes. So I love that idea of, like we're talking about with sculpture, you work from the back to the front. Well, what kind, what do you, how do you want to see the world? Which is a big <laughs> question these days. How do you want to see the world? So, okay, how do I make a camera that sees the world that way? Yes. I, like, I like thinking about that too. Is it, do I see the world distorted? Well, then my lens better have some major distortion. It might be a marble. Maybe my lens is a marble and that's how I'm seeing it through this yes. like glass of water distortion or something like that. Um, I think that is beautiful when the camera can match the vision. I love that. Yes, uh, I, I fully agree. I fully agree. And I also love walking around with that shape um, in my mind mm, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and seeing what that can do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're, tra you're training your eye to see how this device, how you think this device needs to see. Yeah, and that takes practice. It's not trivial because your brain is pretty much set for 43 millimeter equivalents and a kind of a actually this this kind of bogus fake view of the world that's based on a lot of uh, constant uh, error correction maneuvers of your eyes looking every which way. And, and we're used to seeing a particular type of fictional view of the world. And it actually can be very refreshing to force yourself to see differently, to have a, uh, an optical piece of equipment that forces you to, to follow a different path. It's, it's similar to the exercise of doing a drawing where you have to really get in touch with what you're looking at uh, on a fairly intimate level. Mm -hmm. And forcing you, you to do that is it's just really good for your ability to understand visual media and 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 very it's very helpful i think and, and how much of a better photographer would you be if you drew every day you know if you drew the scene before you photographed it you would, it would be even better yes and so i love also the offshoot like the more the different things you have in your life influence your cameras or your your art that you're making and so like your hammers you know or just other things that you're interested in like the 3d printing that ethan does is like if i you had one of those you're gonna think in those terms or if mm -hmm. you're like if you're making suits of armor and that's a hobby that's gonna make you think differently too so it's very it's important to have all these different little offshoots of your life mm -hmm. to influence, you know, the main thing that you want to do, like doing the cameras and stuff like that. So I try to draw every day at four o'clock with my friend. That's a weaver. We, it's a nice excuse to kind of leave <laughs> the shop and have just the time to talk about art and make art and just draw. And if, if, anyone wants to do that they should just do it i just 30 minutes of drawing is such a grounding 
exercise to do. And you don't ever have to show anyone. If you just start doing it and just and you know no one's gonna look, oh man. I think like that's bounds. I think that's a fantastic idea. And I I, I started drawing um seriously when I was 10 years old and had, you know, good instruction from artists at that age. But I didn't really learn to draw until I started forging metal. Because when you when you're trying to bend a piece of steel to a certain shape, it takes an hour. Yeah. And when you realize that you can get exactly what you want with an hour's work, you realize that a pencil's easy, right? <laughs> okay. You don't need to you don't need to hurry. And the biggest problem, I think, and this is really interesting because you mentioned this in your students, they want to hurry, they want to get there quickly. And yeah. I think maybe modern technology is encouraging that mindset. It's exactly wrong. If you slow down, you get there sooner. Yeah. And, and that's the thing you learn over time as a craftsperson. You learn that it's not about hurrying. It's about doing the right thing at the right pace. And you get directly where you're going and you don't waste time. And that's how you go quickly. And yep. it's it's a hard thing to teach. And you need almost to work with difficult crafts like bricklaying or forging steel or carving stone or, you know, carpentry, something that there's a lot of preparation and time that's just forced on you to slow you down. And I think that in camera building, there's a, there's a, there's a parallel thing. I think using crude, simple cameras that you have to scale focus and you have to set the exposure manually it's going to slow you down. And people talk about that and they laugh at it. And, 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 you know, yeah, maybe you miss some shots. So what? It's not the point. The point is you think more. And that's mm-hmm. the important thing. I agree. That's beautiful. Hey, Heather, um, you mentioned drawing quite a bit, um, and one of my favorite sketches of late is your quick, like, napkin sketch of the uh, cigarette girl camera with with the uh, red apron over top of, um, you know, like the popcorn or cigarette uh, tray that somebody might wear at a, at a ballpark. Mm-hmm. Um do you do a lot of drawing of cameras that you would like to build or have built? And do you have like um, something like a dream camera journal? <laughs> Ooh, a dream camera. Oh, that's going to be my new one. Okay. I like a dream camera journal. Um, when I was building Little Miss Sunshine, definitely. I have to draw it out to order to understand myself with it. Um, with this cigarette girl tray that is if you draw things out you definitely will figure it out like it's one thing to have that i that item but then it's like wait a minute where are my hands going to be in relationship where's the lens going to be where's the you know the developer going to be inside this tray and things like that so um i I do more writing than anything when I have like a sketchbook. I think I just was taught how to do that. So if I had an idea, I'm writing more. And that the writing leads one thing to the next. Um, it's kind of interesting that way. And 
And it's linear, yeah. Yeah, and then you can kind of focus in on that. But building most of the pinhole cameras that are smaller, boy, I just poke that hole in there, make sure it's light tight, and stick a piece of paper. It's pretty quick. Um, but in the bigger ones, yeah, sketching out is definitely key just because you don't want to have to keep chasing your mistakes and lighthouseing your mistakes. And so now we, I was at your studio with my friend, um, Becky, and we were sketching, um, cameras in your studio. Do you remember that? That was what I still have those on my desk. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that that was good. I think you'd like that better than just doing it singularly because a hive mind situation where you could grab one piece and make a change and then I could grab it and made a change. And then you're you're able to communicate through drawing instead of words, because I could say something like, oh, well, the piece of paper needs to be in a trough. Or that makes no sense. But if you drew, right. and it's like, oh, it's this light, tight slat that I'm thinking, you could see it that way. And then her drawing led to my drawing. Then when I came home, started drawing that crazy cigarette girl one, because I was like, I could do this. You know, I, it came from how am I going to develop the paper, the, you know, the paper negative in camera? That's the problem to solve. And so drawing helps solve that problem and i drew almost exactly the same drawing for in exactly the same circumstances it was like how do i solve this problem and it resulted in almost the same configuration because you know we both have two arms and two legs and we're about the same shape and you know yeah yeah (laughs) it's like there you go i think drawings uh extremely important i i make big complicated things that take a year to build and if you don't draw it then it would take two or three years to build. And, you know, no one can afford that. <laughs> it's too long. You one of the to, things yeah. that drawing really does is it limits the unbuilding part, right? You build it and it doesn't fit, so you have to unbuild it. You can make a lot of mistakes on paper quickly and get it over with and, and get to where you need to be. Yeah. Man, and I, I think that the drawing tool you use can be different for everybody. You know, I like to use like a micron pen for tiny details, but I can see where some people would like big hunks of charcoal on big sheets of like newspaper or something. You know, it just. I like an F pencil. An F pencil? Mm-hmm. Fine tipped? You know, sharp, keep it pretty sharp. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's good. But you know. Speaking of drawing, this kind of just brought up a memory. I took, let's see, at Kodak, they have a book of all their copyright cameras, then and it's schematics, and you see the diagrams that the patents have. Mm-hmm. And that is one of the most intriguing books. I've like, well, looked at that book um, on airplanes, and it just makes the time go by like crazy. And I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's like I'm. When I look at those schematics of, you know, uh, the see-through versions of cameras, I just pretend I'm light and I'm traveling through it. And how do I travel through it and end up on that paper? But it's so beautiful that this one object 
can be done so many different ways. Yeah. Do you, one of, do you ever do mechanical drawings? Do you ever use like, you know, uh, the old fashioned tools or, I mean, some people use computers, but I use the basic T-square triangle approach to drawing. Do you ever do mechanical drawings where, where you're forced to make straight lines and all that? Well, I do when I have to like redesign, like we did a renovation of the printmaking and the dark room. That mm -hmm. was good, just like bird's eye view of things. But for cameras, not so much. I kind of just go back to, you know, more like drawing a cube, mm -hmm. more perspective type drawing. But I don't get into the more technical type of thing because it's just an end to a means. Mm -hmm. And so I like figuring things out that way. But no matter, and I've also learned, no matter how many drawings and things that you have figured out, it's not going to be nope. how yep. you think until you actually. Absolutely really figure out oh that quarter sheet of plywood is not really a quarter sheet you know quarter of an inch mm -mm. no they always cheat you it's always a little thinner yeah yeah so you, yeah you actually at some point gotta put your hands on the materials and do and then it, and just be open to change also because that could be you know half the time when I'm in the middle of doing something, I get like six or seven more ideas for something else. And when I was back in art school and a young artist, it used to bother me so much. And I would just stop what I did and move on to that idea. Well, when I'm in the middle of making that painting or something, oh, I right. have another idea. And then I do that. And then after three or four years, I'm looking and I have a ton of unfinished work. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I de decided, okay, I, I do have all the time in the world. I have a sketchbook. I'll just write those ideas down, and then they're there, and then I'll continue doing what I'm doing. And that was a real relaxing thing for me to do, to figure out myself. It's like, okay, now that I know that it's in that sketchbook, I know it's there, I'll come back later. And nine times out of ten, when I go back and look at the sketchbook, when I'm done with that other project, I look back and I'm like, oh, that was a dumb idea. I'm glad I didn't pursue it. <laughs> I, you know, I allowed myself to finish something and further that thought also at the same time. So Yes. I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I have like a big anxiety of starting all sorts of projects. I really have seven open right now. But having a dream camera journal has also really allowed me to focus on what I'm working on now and sort of ignore all of the other ideas that pop up while I'm working on them. I'm going yeah. to start one of those journals. I'm doing That's it. a great idea. Yeah. One of the That's... things that I've seen often, uh, it, one of, uh, I, I teach, uh, when I teach graphic design, you know, I teach logo design and I always see my students when they are at the end of the process and they're making their portfolios and they're designing logos for themselves. First of all, they are influenced by the last logo they saw, you know, yeah. and, Oh, I want to do something along those lines, but then they get halfway through that. And, you know, I'm looking for the third re revision and they come in and there's something completely different because they saw somebody, some other logo, right? <laughs> One of the things that I tell them, and I think that this works in an artist standpoint as well as from a designer standpoint that I'm uh, going through on this. And that is, you have to treat yourself like a client. 
And you cannot change midstream on a client when they're expecting, you know, uh, uh, blue balloons for their logo because you showed them blue balloons the last time and you come in and it's a puppy dog. Yeah. it, it's not going to work, right? So if you treat yourself like a client where, where you know, you're essentially committing to an idea, to, to, to taking that idea to its final logical conclusion, then you can always go back and, uh, and see if puppy dogs also work, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, so, so, I mean, I, I think that there's, um, you know, uh, I, I, I've had a, a saying for a very long time in my life. And it's, it's thank God for missed opportunities because there are so many times in my life I've had something that I really wanted and didn't get. And then a little bit later on, something else came along and I realized I would never have gotten this really cool thing later on if I had, if I had gotten that other thing earlier on. I think that's, uh, you're just described the eBay trap. You're right. <clears throat> I, I lost out on the X-Band, but look, my God, I got a, you know, mm-hmm. a, a <laughs> from the moon. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, there went all my money. Thanks a lot, Nick. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so speaking of that, um, uh, so we've got our challenge. We've got our challenge of building some sort of self-developing camera. So uh, a, a camera that you can take a picture, you can do it in the field. Um, and that's kind of one of our uh, criteria, right? That it has to be able to be done in the field, right? The development end of it, or it has to be done in the camera. Didn't didn't we say that it has to be yeah. done? Yeah, so in the field just means you got out of bed and went somewhere else. Okay. So, yeah. so Not- Little, Miss, Little Miss Sunshine already qualifies. Yes, absolutely. Right. absolutely. Typifies. Yeah. <laughs> um, Exemplifies. So, yeah, exactly. Okay, exactly. and there and there go the prices on on panel vans, right? <laughs> <laughs> used 1979 Chevy panel van. Quick, let's um, go on quickly buy some panel vans, right? Before yeah. the prices yeah. go. Well, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, and and this episode is going live tomorrow, so you, you buy them tonight. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, um, we we've got this challenge, and so I I think we need to do a little check in on where we're all at. So, Ethan, you want to lead us off uh, because um, <clears throat> uh, you need to lead us off because my developments stem from your developments. So okay. Okay, uh, so let's see. It's been a crazy couple of weeks. Um, I spent a lot of time traveling, but in in between, um, I wanted to make some sort of an Afghan box camera or self-developing camera that would uh, put out direct positives uh, from this uh, reversal process that I saw Don Frula and Joe Van Cleve doing on the Internet. And so... Um, I shot a bunch of paper negatives with the homunculus and then reverse processed them. Um, and I've made some YouTube videos about it, which probably everybody who listens to this podcast has uh, yeah, already seen. So I, 
Let's go over that process really quickly. Okay, really, really quickly. Yeah. Um, basically, instead of developing normal paper negative, what you do is you develop a, and I'm not going to give any of the specs or dilutions or times or whatever, but the, the idea is you develop the image, and before you go to stop or fix, you uh, bleach the uh, part of the image that has been developed, and you use a bleach that only bonds to the developed silver salts. Then normally you would go into the fixer and remove all of the undeveloped fixers, uh, sorry, undeveloped silver salts. Uh, but in this case, you flash it, uh, turn on the lights, and now it's exposed, and then you redevelop it. So everything that would have been white in the paper negative is now black from the fogging, and everything that was black has been removed by the bleach. And then you put it back in the developer and you develop a positive. Um, yeah, there's, uh, if you search YouTube for a camera dashboard, we can put up a link. Um, I sort of go through and explain just getting that process to a, a reasonable point before I even started working on a camera based around it. So um, it so sounds to me like the chemistry would kind of push you towards a very contrasty result. Is that, is that sound? Yeah, yeah, both the chemistry and the paper. And there's things you can do like pre-flashing the paper or... Um, you know, changing dilutions or using different paper. To um, temper it a little. Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah, we can talk about that in depth maybe on another show. I still have more experiments to do, but um, I already pushed it to the point where uh, now just by, like, making a YouTube video, a bunch of other people, um, shout out to Matt Jones in Thailand, using ECN2 bleach to clean up his uh, sort of sepia prints, um, people are, are now taking it further. Um, Joe Van Cleve started turning his paper upside down in the bleaching process, which um, precipitated less uh, sepia-toned molecules on top of the paper. Anyway, I think, I think that process is getting better and better quick by sharing on the Internet. But um, it's already good enough for me to sort of move on to start building some self-developing cameras. So um, I am not a super huge pinhole shooter, but I build them here and there. I think they're fun. I think they're really good uh, demonstrations for people. Um, if you're teaching somebody, you know, just a concept. And so, um, yeah, I, I wanted to, instead of, again, start building a giant Afghan box camera or um, self-developing camera with with some digestion engine inside of it, I thought, what is the simplest way I could start doing this? And so I actually made a little pinhole camera that shoots like two and a quarter square. Um, and instead of having an external shutter, it has a shutter internally, like a dark slide. And then you can um, unscrew the cap that has the pinhole in it and screw in a uh, light baffle and, and pour, you know, chemicals into the tank and develop it right there. And I made another YouTube video about that, and that was pretty successful. Um, I thought I would just make one sort of to make a YouTube video and an entry into this contest, but um, it was pretty good. Uh, so I threw it on cameradactyl.com, and I've already sold a whole bunch of them, um, which is weird and funny. Uh, not exactly the product I... I was thinking I would make. I have like two or three other products just about ready that I've been so, testing so for a long are you, time. Are you talking about the, uh, the developing tank style camera? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, exactly. I don't know if right. you've seen a picture. Yeah. Of it or oh, I've seen pictures of it. I'm just, um, it's amazing. People already want this thing. Like 
it, it's an idea that just like sort of shot out of yeah you know, like a few weeks ago and now and now lots of other people want to make them that's really cool yeah it took me like uh i don't know two or three days to get the first one working and then another day to make one that was sort of clean and polished and had all the right tolerances and that was a product as opposed to like my panoramic camera that's you know, now in month three, I have working prototypes that I'm shooting with, but I'm not, you know, ready at all to release it to the public. But yeah, so that, that's kind of where I'm at. The next thing I'd really love to shoot some four by fives uh, on the OG and reverse process them and maybe make a self-developing four by five back for uh, like Graflex style mount four by five holders. So anybody on any camera could use it. Uh, I'm not exactly sure how that would work. We've we've talked about it, Nick, a little bit about like uh, like a graphmatic back style developing tank thing, um, and then also it's it's getting close. I usually don't have a reason to handhold eight by ten, but you know if I can make direct positives, um, shoot eight by tens like forty cents. <laughs> I could hold you know, handhold the giant camera and make a whole lot of them sort of out in the field. Yeah, or at least or put a stick on it so that, you know, a, a monopod, it doesn't have to be, you know, yeah. to be a purist about it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, so I might buy a big old printer pretty soon, but <laughs> we'll see. Got to fill some orders first. So is that be just because you, you want to make, yeah, that is big, 8 by 10 It is big. There's sort of no way around making some big stuff. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I think, like, um, I might be able to make some sort of self-developing back for an 8x10. And I think that's a really nice print size, or maybe even 8x8. It's a great um, size. Just it's not, like, obnoxious to hang on your wall, but you can still hang it on your wall and see it. Uh, 4x5 is a little small for I me. Mean, I like it in, you know, books, but... Um, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I got a lot of projects. Um, that's that's kind of all all I've done. Then I've got uh, you know twenty five thirty rolls from the uh, homunculus and the uh, the panoramic version of that that I'm testing out to develop. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think pushing towards bigger sizes with these self developing cameras is actually a logical um, idea because. <laughs> Yeah, because you're working with single sheets anyway, and the whole hassle of loading and unloading and all that, that's like a big part of the trouble and time in the process. And creating a, a film back that you allows you to develop the film in the same back that you shot it in, it, it actually it's a it's actually a sensible idea. It's not a it's not a gimmick. It's something that will actually save you time and trouble. I think it's something worth pursuing. Thanks. Yeah, I, I think it'll be really fun to take people's portraits at like a size that they might like to take home. Much like, you know, I, my friend Giles is like a really fancy, excellent um, tintype, amber type, you know, wet plate photographer. Um, and he charges a ton to take your like 16 by 20 picture um, on glass, which, you know, he probably spends a ton plus a thousand dollars on uh, silver. <laughs> but um you know, I, I think it would be fun to be able to shoot, you know, eight by ten to even twenty by twenty-four, like Elsa Dorfman, and just have a positive come out of the camera. I think that would be really, really good. I, en 
I inherited an 8 by 10 portrait of my grandmother that Edward Weston made in the last wow. year. Wow. Last year that he was still shooting portraits before he ran off to Mexico with his girlfriend. And it's a, it was an incredibly beautiful thing. I couldn't afford to keep it. We ended up selling it at auction, but I kept a copy of it. And it it was a beautiful thing. It's a contact print made from an 8 by 10 negative. And as far as I'm concerned, that's how portraits should be made. Like, mm. that's how you should do it, because it's it's just so beautiful. There's no enlarging. It's just the image, and it's the right size. It's a little smaller than the actual person's head, but it's pretty close, you know? Mm-hmm. It's it's a good size. It was beautiful. And, yeah, it was just an 8x10 photograph that he contact printed. Done. End of story. Wow. Did you have the negative, too? You didn't have the negative. Just no, the no, print. we didn't have the negative. We had the print, and, okay. and also her sister, um, a print of her sister as well. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Nick, what are you what what are you working on uh, conceptualizing for for your uh, self developing camera? Okay. So the camera I've been wanting to build for quite a while is based on this crazy lens that I've stumbled on for a wonderful price that will shoot a forty inch image circle, and that has to be basically it. You know the size of the image dictated that the camera has to have wheels so that I can push it around. So it's the wheelbarrow camera and a camera that size that can shoot. I mean, it's not miss, it's not miss sunshine, but it's, it's still pretty big and it's big enough that it might as well be a dark room as well as a camera. You know, you, you can get your hands in there. You can put a great big tray in there. So that's really what I've been thinking about. And that's a big project that I have, you know, it's going to take me a while. It's going to take me a couple of months at least to get that thing going. So that's that's the one. That's the one. That's the thing I, I really want to make. Is the deadline. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one I really want to um, make. Um, yeah, we but know I did that. Buy, I did buy a, a really long developing tank, one of those four real Patterson tanks, <laughs> with the idea that I could put a pinhole in that and put half of a sheet of 8x10 paper in there. And and do some sort of crazy, I don't know what it's going to look like. It's a total experiment, but see what happens when you project a pinhole on half of an eight by ten sheet in a you know in a tall, long cylind- cylindrical developing tank. Are so you I have that that going. Yeah. What was that? Is it going to be vertical or horizontal? Well, yeah, where's the pinhole? certainly going to try both. <laughs> uh-huh. The pinhole would be in the center, and I don't know okay. how. I don't know what's going to happen out at the ends. You know, we'll just find out. I'm not sure. But, I mean, in theory, a pinhole's going to you know, work. We'll just see. Okay. And that's, um, an ex- that's just an experiment. And those are the things I care about. The other thing that I was really interested in was a graph lock back that was also a develop like a film holder that was also a developing tank. But that's a project, like, you know, building that and making it come out right. I don't know yeah, whether or not. Be a long one. Yeah, I'm not sure how quickly that'll happen, but it's yeah. a really appealing idea because you can take regular four by five film, you know, stick it on the camera, take a picture, and develop it all in one in one process without having to get out the dark bag and all that. That's appealing. I'd like to try it. Okay. Oh well. I'll, um. Are you uh, okay if I go next? 
Yes. Are you done, Nick? There we go. Okay. So um, I, first of all, um, uh, I, when I first heard what Ethan was doing with the um, uh, trying to develop the, uh, you know, direct positive uh, paper and, and chemistry and, um, you know, I'm, I'm on a well and septic system. I got to, you know, keep that um you know uh away from from uh you know my well and septic otherwise those things have problems um but then i saw the video and i went oh i can do that um so i went and bought um the uh the citric acid um and i have the hydrogen peroxide on order um and so it should be here so today I went out with my uh, 4x5 press camera, my tower version of the Bush Pressman D, and I shot four negatives um, out in the world. And um, uh, so I'm ready to do that testing. So I, uh, I, you know, and if that system works, you mean then, the direct the direct positive tonight. direct positive okay. what did i yeah i might have said something else okay yeah no, you didn't i'm just checking system. yeah right. oh yeah yeah okay so if that system works and it's reason because it i thought it was going to be unreasonable um so i'm going to the only thing that i need to figure out is once again how to get the light in and it might just be removing the lid but i'm thinking about modifying um one of the canamorph system so uh heather i'm i are you still with us yes okay so kind of blown. <laughs> yeah <laughs> the the uh the catamorph that i created is a it's a 3d printed design but it's essentially half a cylinder and it has paper that wraps around one side of that and it's got a pinhole you know directly opposite the paper but it also has a pinhole in the lid Mm. So, so I can do anamorphic. So yeah. that's the canamorph um, Love it. camera. Love it. So, so <laughs> it's got, it, it has those two options, but if I, and so maybe a, you know, the anamorphic version would be great, but um, uh, I need to figure out how to do a light trap and uh, liquid um, sealing for that lid. Um, and then, um, uh, and, and I, I think that's the direction I'm going to go. At least that's the first direction that I'm going to go on this. The second direction is, um, you know, um, the 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 guys over at um, uh, the Lensless podcast. And um, and just just for a moment, as as we're taping this, I just want to point out we we really hope that Corey's OK yeah. There is a hurricane over his head right now. And, mm. uh, you know, uh, where I'm in Florida, we watched that thing go by and watched mm. it scour the Bahamas. So, um, you know, anyway, they, they talked about what they could do with a developing tank. And I just got um, uh, I got donated a load of uh, my neighbor's mother-in-law's camera gear ex-mother-in-law's camera gear that his brother had been storing for 20 years. Um, and, uh, you know, and I, you know, I end up with a, uh, an Omega four by five and larger and, um, and all the accoutrement. <laughs> so, so, 
but one of the things it had was uh, four or five plastic, um, you know, variations on Yankee tanks or um, uh, or Patterson tanks. And I, you know, that would be also a very easy system to modify, um, right. you know, just drill that, you know, it's already yeah. it's already watertight. So so if I if I run into you know, serious problems with the Canamorph, I, I might go that other direction, um, uh, if, uh, you know, just to, just to take care of, uh, you know, the deadline, by the deadline. Um, what? And deadline? Part, deadline? Yeah, deadline, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nick, it's yeah. Thanksgiving. Okay, so, um, yeah, and one of the problems is my 3D printer's down right now, so I'm... Uh, I'm a little bit. Uh, yeah. Okay, you're gonna have to get out the hand tools, my friend. Well, no. What, oh, what about your other ten 3D printers? <laughs> oh yes, uh, you mean the other ten 3D printers that happen to be in Albuquerque, New Mexico? <laughs> at, at, but you don't have other ten 3D self? printers? <laughs> no, I don't. But you All do. the silly yeah. fun names on them. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so anyway, that's that's where I'm going. But well, let um, me put this bug in your ear then yes thinking about that lid uh-huh uh what about um the four by five sheet tank developers those are beautiful you know they're mm-hmm. like a thin little box mm-hmm. and they have you know usually rubber type lids that are light trapped oh yeah easily yeah. like super easy light trapped with a little knob that you twist on and off and then of spout at the bottom to empty. Uh-huh. Yeah. So even that type of lid would be kind of like a light trap lid. Right. would be really right. good for that camera. And you could design it where you could, you know, it's just like walking in the dark room. Light doesn't travel around corners. Right. Unless you're in black hole or something. But, you know, in which case, photography is out of the question anyway. If so. you do find yourself in a black hole, please have your film loaded. Your camera loaded. <laughs> <laughs> but I would think yeah. something like that could be easy enough to to wrangle around for that lid. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, and absolutely. and you could get some really yeah. wide angle shots. Yeah. Or if you wanted, you could push it out, you know, to a longer focal length. That That's a and, great idea. That's the yeah. ones I was kind of wanting to do, but the ones that I have are older and they're bake like. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I have one. I had one of those. I don't have yeah. one. Anymore. I don't know how easy it would be to drill a hole in it for a lens. Without well, you can you can always drill a hole, and if you screw it up, you can always glue something on there to fix it. Yeah. So I think that might go that way because then that'd be fun to process four by five sheet film. Is that does it, would that qualify then for? Yes, oh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. It that doesn't sounds have great. To being a positive, it can still be a negative, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm in the negative camp myself. I that it's great that Ethan went right to the positive, but I'm perfectly happy producing a negative. I'll be I'll be satisfied with that. Yeah, me too. I'm not a big I, fan of Harmon Direct positive paper either. It's fuss. It's too fussy for me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm working my way through my first box of that, and uh, and and I have not shot a lot of it. I think I'm only about five five sheets in. But um, but yeah, um, but I the thing that I also like is 
um, I, uh, the, the paper that I used is um, some ultra fine paper. And um, I think it, I think it comes in at, um, you know, about 50 cents a sheet. And then I cut it in fourths, you know. And so when you start talking about the cost per shot, <laughs> you know, you're, 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 you're back at 35 millimeter film or pretty close yeah. to it. Graham, um, Graham, 50 doesn't divide by four. There's a problem. It, it, <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> yes. Uh, well, it does divide by four if you'd like to use decimals. But yes, absolutely. Uh, so, so yeah, that's another thing. So, uh, Heather, were you thinking about doing? By the way, here I got it. I have to stop for a moment. We can keep this in. We don't have to edit it out. But I've been ever since you said that uh, about having film in your camera in the black hole. I've been thinking about <laughs> shooting a picture in a black hole, and it's like you would have to take the picture and then turn the camera around so that the light would fall onto it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe not it would yeah, be exceedingly I, I can guarantee it would be exceedingly awkward it would be it would be no or would it be a situation where if you open the lens like photons will come out of the film i don't know something uh, it's uh that's i know it's it's a heavy subject you know, astrophotography, we're just scratching the surface with astrophotography. Like, That's right. <laughs> yeah. Can, can you scratch the surface of a black hole? Oh. Oh, no. Okay. That's be, I think that's your only option. Okay. So, I uh, for your camera, dream camera journal. Ah, oh, yes. My yeah. black hole camera. Black hole camera. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. So, Heather, um, yeah. did we were were you thinking did uh, so that was your idea for the developing self developing one or did you have another uh, well, I, another idea I would I would like to do the cigarette girl one because I would take a picture and process right there that would be self developing camera right I want you to make this because it's the only way in hell I'll ever make one is if you do it let's do it <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, Nick, you've got to make one anyway now. So you know, How many weeks have we been talking about this? No, no. It's, it's, a, it's a ridiculous idea that absolutely must happen. Yeah. All right. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. I mean, how could it not happen? If you have this idea, how would we ever be able to sleep at night if we don't make it happen? Or at least make moves towards that direction. I agree. So. Yep. Like Trojan horse camera. Yeah. Something, you know, there's something. It's it's still bulling around in my head. And it's well, like, and I've I've been thinking about something like it for a long time for storm photography. So basically, like a an anorak that you would wear that would allow you to take pictures with a you know a big homemade camera in really bad weather. Yeah. So, so and that's a similar idea that you just need to be sealed into this thing that you can just like go out in really bad weather and like stumble around taking pictures. Yeah. You know, you know what it's like trying to use a camera when it's like blowing really hard and raining <laughs> hard on the beach, you know, you just, you need help. Like you can't just like go there and do it. Well, maybe police shields. I got, <laughs> I got, I got 39 police shields in the back of little miss sunshine right oh, now. Wow. Maybe. Well, that's a great idea. Play. Um, 
come in handy for the revolution. Shields in the back of Mustafa. Yeah, yeah, and and the <laughs> other thing is, are they not missing their police shields? So nope, uh, it was, nope, it was at public auction. I won it fair wow. and square. They're mine wow. now for any riots that I want to. Ah. I can make it and, happen. And this once again is um we're we have to bring out the whole thing about auction and winning in quotations, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, those sound extremely useful. You, I know okay. I know some couple of photographers in Hong Kong could use those. Yeah, right, exactly. Get one to Perry G. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> um Let's see. Um, so what what is the plan for those? Is there a yeah, oh, OK. I mean, is there a f- photographic plan or is that more of a. Um... Well, it's developing. I, the auction came <laughs> up. I was the highest builder, bidder. No one else wanted them. And <laughs> I got them. Um, I learned in life if opportunities come up and you can afford it. It's not going to come up again. I'm never going to find 39 police shields right <laughs> again, am I? So, yeah. I haven't not in one lot. Yeah. 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 And so right now I I covered some of them with that sheeting, like privacy sheeting that you put on like bathroom windows that make it look like fake uh, stained glass windows. Mm. And they look beautiful. And so now I'm thinking like these like objects of aggression and protection, how can I make that a beautiful piece of art? Or maybe I'll just give one to everybody and have them make something. Cause then I get in, it says, you know, the word says police across it. And I just keep thinking, I mean, it want to cross out that C and write polite and have a, row, <laughs> have a row of those up in a gallery yeah. gorgeous polite shields that's I'm a thinking, great idea i'm thinking what you need to do is just turn it upside down and make baby changing tables that would be a perfect <laughs> use for them don't you think that's it well you know it, it doesn't matter if you're in a riot you gotta poop right i mean <laughs> you know, and if, if there's any time you're gonna it'll probably be that time uh, absolutely absolutely you first you but say it then you do it right it could be kind of the shells the outer shell of this outfit maybe if i could write you know i could almost wear them like one of those sandwich boards or something one on each side mm-hmm and then I could drill into them and make, or maybe make it side horizontal. And that's my tray, my cigarette girl tray. I don't wow. know. Well, that's There's good. My, the, the, the version I've been thinking of, you, you put it around your waist and then you, and it's sort of like an accordion, a cylindrical accordion that rises up so that it could be a pretty compact and then, you know, it would open up to, to enclose you. But I wasn't imagining being in a riot, which I think is a whole other situation. And a good reason, <laughs> a good reason to, to keep everything internal. Like, because, you know, you want to develop the picture, take a picture of it and upload it, like, right there in the middle of the riot. I think it's a good idea. Right uh, there. Right there. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, and, and from a practical standpoint, they have structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so yeah, I can see how that that could work. 
Doug, I they can... got handles that are already bolted on and straps. You know, you put you put your yeah. arm through the strap and then you hold that handle mm-hmm. with your forearm. And then there's kind of this yeah. superhero kind of quality about it too. Sure, right. Yeah. And the whole plowshares into you know swords into plowshares thing and all that, yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so that's... into photo shares. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I you know that happens. That happens. I mean, question, I, that's that the experience. camera I want to make. And then I. All right. In the meantime, I want to do the four by five developing tank one too. All right. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. got a back plan just in case. No, those are both, both, they're both really desirable. Yeah. And, yeah. and one of them is at least, one of them is useful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which one? We don't know quite yeah. yet. Exactly. Yet. exactly. exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, hey, guys, let's um, uh, let's skip the what we've been working on lately, because I think we've covered a lot of that. Yep. So, <clears throat> excuse me, we're at the, we're at the point of doing shout outs. So, Ethan, are you? Uh, do you have somebody to oh, uh, shout? Sorry, uh, before we do that, um, yeah. Heather, is there anything that you would like to talk oh, about that we did not ask you about, or that you want to get off your chest, or uh, you know, um, that you're particularly interested in in the field of camera building, or yeah, what did we miss? Mm, I don't think we miss much. Yeah, I think it went pretty well. Yeah, I think we covered. I think we covered a lot. I, think, I like, you know, seeing the world. Um, we're all in charge of seeing the world the way we want to see it. So we're building these cameras to try to make that so everyone can see it. So I, I kind of love that idea. That covers it all. Yeah, there it is. All right. So uh, Ethan, uh, shout your shouts. Okay, shout out to Astrobeck, um, who uh, Heather actually introduced me to, who is sort of my neighbor and an astronomer and a old photographer, very interesting lady, um, and Joe Van Cleve and Don Frula for um, you know all of their work in the reversal process, and the videos that they've made on YouTube. I really appreciate it. Okay, uh, Nick, you have shout outs for anybody? Well, um, I'm excited because a lot of people are joining our Facebook group. I'm not much of a fan of Facebook, but it's where people all kind of congregate. And we've had pretty much one or two people every single day for weeks now have been joining. Um, So there's a lot of people out there that want to make cameras. And there's a lot of interest and excitement around this idea. And that's great. That's really fun. Um. Okay, and uh, I will do uh, mine last. Heather, do you have any shout-outs? Well, I was going to do a shout-out to Astrobeck also because she's amazing inspiration for me. It's Becky Romatowski. I can never say her last name. But she makes some amazing cameras and processes in caffeinol and a solarography. And, I mean, she's the person you want to know. Her website is palominopinhole.blogspot.com. And she's just a, a wonderful person to know. And she's a go-getter. She she will just do it. Uh, another person I wanted to shout out to is my friend Jean Steiner, the weaver I told you about. If um, you want to work with your hands, 
start weaving. If you want to be obsessed, be a weaver. These weavers are obsessive. And so I love having friends in different art forms. So check her workout on the web too. Cool. Cool. Um, my shout outs, uh, I just uh, am back from a trip to my native Minnesota. <clears throat> and uh, so um, I want to say uh, hello to the folks at West Photo in Minneapolis and the folks at National Camera Exchange in Golden Valley. And um, thank you for being there uh, to sell film and um, paper and old cameras and uh i got a uh, a half frame uh, olympus pen for twenty dollars works perfectly absolutely love it yeah absolutely um and that was at uh national camera exchange so um uh yes and um we need to thank robbie yeah robbie chris so. thanks for creating the music that we use throughout our podcast. And if you're interested in hearing more of his work, um, then go to, uh, where should you go? Sound uh, Trap Soundtrap Studios. Studios. Yeah. Thanks, Robbie. And... <laughs> <laughs> okay, and we're out. <laughs>